0: Good morning everyone, a very warm, warm welcome to you all here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and welcome also to those who are joining us uh, online, live uh, or recorded. I'd like us to read together our first reading from Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You will not take your love from me, nor will you ever betray your faithfulness. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and Amen. Let's sing the first of our three songs uh, on this Good Friday. Here is love, vast as the ocean will stand to see. together our prayer. Lord, we have denied you by refusing to know you. We have betrayed you by keeping our distance. We have mocked you by pretending we are not yours. Lord, we are lost. Let your forgiveness find us. Welcome us into your strong, forgiving arms, And let us feel reconciled again. Amen. Now reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 14 to 23. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. I'm going to ask the deacons to come up in a a moment uh, to help serve communion. Uh, We're going to um, take round the bread and the cups, please do keep hold of uh, the bread and cup if you are able. Um, We'll eat together the bread uh, as I eat and, and lead you in that and keep hold of the cup and we'll drink together as well. Jesus took the bread and after giving thanks he broke it. Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that we enjoy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that this bread is a symbol, is a sign to us of his body, given for each one of us upon the cross. We bless you and we praise you and we thank you as those who have been offered that life in all its fullness. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen After he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, "This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So please, as you receive the bread, keep hold of it and we shall eat together, symbolizing our unity in Christ through his body shed um, given for us Thank you body was given for us for all to see upon that cross in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you again please take the cup keep hold of it and we shall drink together. a moment, a time to come before God as we are, and confess to him anything that would get in the way of that free relationship with him. I'll just bring to him our sin, our shame, our guilt knowing that he takes them from us freely. We cannot earn, we do not deserve his death upon the cross. We give thanks to you, Father, for sending your son, that his blood may be shed for our forgiveness and reconciliation. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's read these words together from 1 Timothy, in chapter 1, and 1, Timothy and 1 Peter, chapter 2. Have hope in these words of assurance. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we, free from sins, might live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Amen. Let us sing our next song together as we are gathered. Jesus is here. Yesterday evening, at our Maundy Thursday service with the United Reformed Church and the Methodists at London Road, I pointed us to focus briefly upon one aspect of the Lord's Supper, the betrayal of Jesus. And I want to continue in this theme as we sit around the Lord's table this morning on Good Friday, considering all that was to befall Jesus. We might say that the betrayal was the pulling of the trigger of the gun that fired that bullet at Jesus, setting into motion a chain of events leading to his continued suffering and crucifixion. See, Jesus had revealed at a meal with his friends that he was to be betrayed. Luke writes that Jesus revealed, the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The betrayer was close, at hand, around the table, one of the twelve. Mark records Jesus' words as he says that it is one who is eating with me. So shocking. Betrayal hurts. Betrayal is deceitful, <coughs> disruptive, destructive. It is so damaging to the body of Christ. The closer the betrayer, the more it hurts. Now we know who it was and here's the spoiler alert, it is Judas. So famous or rather infamous is he now that we use the name As a synonym for betrayal. You, Judas. But it wasn't clear or known, it seems, around that table at the time. However, it soon became known. Very known, in fact. John writes about this lack of awareness about who the betrayer was. In John chapter 13, we read how Jesus told him, uh, told uh, Judas... What you are about to do, do quickly. But we read, no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. You see, John, in writing this and writing his gospel, seems to show a special interest. Judas' betrayal is referenced 28 times across the four Gospels. Really, it should only be mentioned four times, shouldn't it? But 28 times, and John mentions the betrayal eight of these times, and in very different ways. Plus, he also reveals that Judas was a thief, in John chapter 12. Judas did not say this, uh, the, the words that he said about selling the Perfume and giving to the poor because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. John tells us that his disciples stared at one another at a loss as to know which of them he meant. At the table they did not know. But one of them knew. Judas knew what he had arranged. It's like the game of wink murder. You don't know who the culprit is until he winks at you, and then it's too late. Simon Peter wants to know. And going through another disciple, he asks, he says, Ask him which one he means. I'm thinking Peter is working out in his head, we'll root him out. And obligingly, the disciple asks Jesus, Lord. Who is it? And then we we might say all hell breaks loose. In Luke chapter 22 verse 23, they began to question among themselves which of them it might be and who would do this. Matthew and Mark recalled how they were very sad and began to say to Jesus one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Now, as I said, Judas' betrayal was so terrible that the Gospel writers repeatedly mentioned it in their stories, even before the event. Again, there's Matthew and Mark spoiler alert when naming the 12 disciples, we've only got their 12 names out there straight away and suddenly we read Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. As I said, John makes sure that his readers are painfully aware of Judas's betrayal of Jesus as he drops in separate, repeated, uh, separate references before the fact. Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. In brackets he adds in, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. And he writes, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And it's John who sets this scene of the Last Supper in the light of the darkness of satanically prompted betrayal. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. John also makes it clear that it was not just a satanically prompted betrayal, but a satanically enabled betrayal. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Even as Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples presumably including Judas. John tells us that Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, not everyone was clean. And we have Luke and Mark giving us a glimpse behind the scenes as we see how Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. See, every step of the way, Judas has betrayal on his mind. It's being orchestrated, discussed, developed, decided, planned. And all four Gospel writers record how Jesus reveals this truth of betrayal at that meal among friends. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. The hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. You see, Jesus knew that his betrayal was part of the prophetic writings of Scripture and therefore part of his suffering. Even my close friend, we read in Psalm 41, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. And in Psalm 55, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked (coughs) about among the worshippers. (coughs) Jesus knew all of this. And Jesus assures his disciples of God's plan, but also issues a warning. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, Luke says, as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And it was following this warning that we read how Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, "'Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi?' Jesus answered, "'You have said so.'" And there in Gethsemane, betrayal looms large over that garden. John tells us, "'Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, "'because Jesus had often met there with his disciples.'" And it is here that Jesus identifies and defines Judas. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And Judas chooses, of all things, to turn the kiss of a friend into the kiss of betrayal. And he adds clear instructions as to what is to happen after that. The betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. I think Judas doesn't want any comeback here. The heavy mob was Judas's idea, it seems. And Luke tells us that while he, while Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up, this is in the garden, and... The man who is called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? At every stage, it seems to me, Judas had a real choice. And it's each stage... He made the wrong choice. And Matthew lets us know about the consequences of Judas's decisions. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. It's out of his own mouth that he has betrayed Jesus. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Betrayal carries a heavy price for all. Jesus warned his church that betrayal will shockingly and sadly be part of the life of the believer. If Jesus was betrayed, his followers will also experience betrayal. We read in Matthew, Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. And at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. This is what we are promised as followers of Jesus. If we are following him, And betrayal was such a painful moment, of course, for Jesus and for the eleven who were left. And that sense of betrayal finds its way into their kind of thinking, their makeup, their story of the early church. Stephen preaches his last preach before the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling body, which was in cahoots with, Ju- with Judas. And he preaches, was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one and now you have betrayed and murdered him. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him and Stephen goes on to say a few things and they stone him the betrayal of Jesus was still claiming victims. And the betrayal of Jesus, its pain so real and raw, of course, finds its way into the liturgy of the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the communion service. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus... On the night he was betrayed, took bread. Every time we break bread, we remember the betrayal of the bread of life given for us. To finish, I want to mention good old John again, who can't help himself. He must have been so affected as he mentions the betrayal his eighth and last time in his gospel, as he concludes his story in chapter 21, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, presuming this was John who was writing, was following them, brackets, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Now that's an interesting question, or prayer, that Jesus, uh, that, sorry, John leaves us with. Lord, who is going to betray you? We continue in prayer. I'd like us to read together this prayer on the sheep. Loving Lord, forgive our doubting, questioning hearts, like those who witnessed Jesus' miracles of healing and heard his proclamation, yet spurned belief. We too have seen wonders, yet have hardened our hearts. We confess the many times that our pessimism has caused others to doubt your word and your spirit, the times that our criticism has wounded others, the times that our grumbling has dampened the enthusiasm of those inspired by your word and work, O God, forgive us, and in your mercy renew us, that with open hearts we may believe, grow in our faith, And never pose an obstacle to the faith of others. Amen. And we sing, it's your blood that cleanses me. Take your seats and we're going to read together this prayer. God, you are good and you forgive me. You are full of love. When I pray to you, I know you will answer me. I know you will show me the right path to take. I want to read these words to us all. <laughs> Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault, and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.